Hello, and a warm welcome to this edition of the Africa Legal Podcast. I am thrilled to be joined today by Bissi Adeyemi. Bissi is the Managing Director of DCSL in Nigeria. Now, Bissi was called to the Nigerian bar in 1987 and holds an MBA from the Lagos Business School. She has varied experience in litigation, corporate and commercial law, and has worked on various assignments spanning corporate restructuring, mergers and acquisitions, foreign investment, regulatory procedures, due diligence procedures, prior to mergers and acquisitions, and stock exchange listings. Prior to joining DCSL, Bissy was the chief legal officer and company secretary of a downstream company, prior to which she was general counsel with a multinational dredging company. Bissy is a member of the International Bar Association and the Society of Corporate Governance Nigeria. She is an expert in residence at the Enterprise Development Center of Pan of the Pan-African University. Bissy is also an alumna of Harvard Business School. So Bissy, a fantastically uh, 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 detailed and interesting corporate biography there, and a very, very warm welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Thomas. So let's dive right in. Bissy, I'm sure that many of our Nigerian listeners are aware of who DCSL are and what you offer. But for the uninitiated, would you be so kind as to give us a summary of the business's pedigree, history, and most importantly, where it finds itself today? Absolutely. Thank you very much. Um, So DCSL started out as a subunit of the tax and uh, regulatory unit of Akitola Williams Deloitte. Um, and then it, it used to be known as DTT services. Um, the subunit basically provided secretarial services, you know, mostly to companies uh, that were audit clients to um, Akintola Williams Deloitte at the time. Um, however, sometime in 1999, uh, DTT was incorporated as a separate entity. Um, again, in 2011, uh, there was a global Deloitte uh, practice review. Um, and the decision was taken to separate the company from Deloitte, um, essentially to safeguard audit independence. DTT then became a fully autonomous uh, business with its own um, board and management team. Under the new board um, and management, um, we then became Deloitte Corporate Services, um, still somewhat affiliated to Deloitte at the time. Um, however, in 2013, in 2013, uh, the company took the final step towards becoming fully um, autonomous and making that separation more apparent. Uh, that's when we became known as uh, DCSL, uh, Corporate Services. And since then, um, you know, we've tried uh, to create a niche for ourselves, you know, create a separate legal entity, a separate legal um, identity uh, for ourselves. Um, so right now, what do we do? We have created a niche for ourselves. Um, in the delivery of exceptional governance, legal, and corporate services. We also have um, the DSL, DSL Academy that delivers uh, world-class training, offering a robust bouquet of uh, leadership uh, programs. So it, that's, that's who we are right now, and um, the journey uh, has been ex- extremely interesting. I would second that as an interesting journey. And what I personally like about the DCSL story is it's – Great to see the foundations of the business being in an affiliation with a with a global behemoth, you know, a large multinational business. But mm. then as it evolved and grew, it became 
quintessentially African, African, quintessentially Nigerian. Absolutely. So I think it's a great case study of saying, look, we may well be born in the fires of multinationalism and, and giant corporates, but there is absolutely nothing stopping us from taking that, learning from it, benefiting from it, but then taking ourselves on our own journey, on our absolutely. own product development. And the range of services you offer, I don't say that if you were still under the yoke of Deloitte, you wouldn't have been able to do that. So I think it's a wonderful story of, of development and evolution. And this is, to focus on you personally for a moment, you are one of those rare breeds who has moved back from senior in-house legal positions to a leading law firm and corporate advisory business. Now, what do you feel are the key lessons solutions and approaches that you took from your time in-house to ensure that DCSL now can offer the most relevant and efficient solutions to your own corporate legal customers today? Thank you very much, Thomas. Um, So I had a long career with a multinational dredging company, um, as you had said earlier on, and I took away a high degree of professionalism. You know, that's a hallmark of many multinationals, um, the imperative of defining processes, establishing structures. Um, so that has provided for us at DCSL a solid background um, in not only setting up those structures internally for ourselves, but also providing support to our clients in this regard. Um, also as in-house company secretary, I learned very quickly uh, the need to be independent and maintaining what I call the middle lane. Um, so very quickly, um, our company secretarial services at DCSL earned a reputation as the go-to outsource company secretaries because we managed to maintain our lane, as we say in Nigeria. Uh, the learnings I took away from the very turbulent boardroom dynamics have put us in a position to deal with some very tough situations. And I guarantee you that, um, you know, we have to deal with those situations uh, periodically um, so that we now have found ourselves, you know, and continue to maintain uh, our middle lane in a very professional manner. So, so those were some of the things that I uh, have taken from my um, prior background as in-house counsel and in-house uh, company secretary. You know, that really reminds me of a, a, a discussion that I, I really tried to get to grips with during my time working for a, a large UK legal media business, which was the notion of the in-house legal function or outsourced legal function as the moral mm-hmm. compass of a, of a business. So Absolutely. is that something that resonates with you? Do you view the role of a legal services, whether that sits inside the business or outside, as being the, the moral compass? Is that the role of legal or is that overstepping the bound somehow? It's not overstepping. It's not overstepping at all, you know, because everybody sort of looks to you as that. Um, and it's more so when there are, there are turbulent times on, on the board or in the company and those would, would arise, you know. So everybody looks to you to do the right thing, to advise them what the right thing is. And, you know, I think the greatest test of your professionalism is when there is indeed some sort of conflict on the board and um, a side of the conflict thinks that you are biased because you're doing the right thing, because you're not on either side. So truth of the matter is, yes, indeed, uh, that rule serves to be the moral compass of the entity. Uh, You provide that support to the board, you provide that support uh, to management, and you provide that support even to the um, to the third parties that the that the entity has has to deal with. So very spot on um, what you've said. It is indeed a role that is expected to. Uh, so some people have called the company secretary, for instance, uh, the custodian 
of good governance. And um, it's, it's not far-fetched uh, why that is so. Even the regulators expect that the company secretary will provide um, that guidance um, to the board that he supports. It's fantastic to hear. And I always had a chuckle to myself when I thought of the moral compass being this very, um, uh, you know, not holier than thou, but very yeah, forward. Yeah. And I said, look, be, be a moral compass, but carry a big stick. <laughs> be yeah, willing to yeah. say no, or yeah. you're wrong. Because in the long yeah. term, that is what gets you the the respect and the uh, engagement that you need to really make a difference in that capacity. And, and BC, look, you, you mentioned turbulence. So mm. let's, let's dive on that. And 2020 mm. has been yeah. more turbulent and tumultuous than most for businesses yeah, across the globe. Now, mm. With DCSL offering services across a wide remit from immigration services to corporate governance that you've mentioned and training, where has the business been able to showcase your greatest levels of innovation and flexibility in response to the myriad of strange conditions that have been imposed on businesses and yourselves by the COVID Mm. pandemic? Absolutely. And I will say, Thomas, um, without that item of doubt in my mind, that is across our service lines. You know, so very quickly we transitioned from uh, to remote work uh, almost seamlessly because we already uh, had in place the resources uh, to support that transition. Um, so, for instance, our training programs went virtual um, almost immediately. Um, we could deliver all our programs without exception, uh, virtually. And we very quickly learned that there was a need to continue to remain in the faces um, of our clients and those who we expect to become our clients. And so we quickly, we introduced uh, the DCSL webinar series uh, on the onset of the, uh, the pandemic, you know, just to keep our clients and the general public abreast of topical issues. The webinar have been very impactful and uh, very well attended. We, we intend to continue having those uh, webinars um, even this year. Uh, and then we provided support to our, our company secretarial clients to achieve seamless virtual meetings. Uh, quite a few of them struggled at the beginning, um, you know, technology and all of those. But very quickly, we were able to put them on board, develop practice notes uh, to help directors uh, get a hang of uh, holding uh, virtual meetings. For our governance services, um, that also um without a doubt, you know, went um, virtual, you know, so we're able to provide uh, the desk review, you know, uh, conduct those um, remotely using different uh, document sharing software. I mean, thank God for uh, for technology. Um, our immigration support service um, has been the most impacted, obviously, with the travel restrictions and with more travel, um, with the restriction of movement uh, imposed by, by COVID. Um, however, we still continue to provide um, as much as we could and as much as we still can uh, advisory support um, and ensure that our clients are kept up to date, you know, newsletters, news flashes, you know, where their um, development. So, yeah, it was a tough year. It was a tough year. And um, but we, 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 we swam through it. We, we, went, we went through it. And I, and, I, and I dare say, you know, successfully to working from home. Um, I don't know about you. Um, it was at the beginning it was very interesting and, and, and fun thing to do. Uh, but right now, I think that we all miss that space we call the, the, the office. You know, we miss that in social interaction, you know, but we didn't miss a bit. We didn't miss a bit in, in supporting um, our clients. 
No, I, I couldn't agree more on the, the working from home. It gave me a great excuse to to set up a home office and have it very nice. And the, the novelty may or may not have worn off <laughs> by now. I, yeah. I, you know what I'd love? I just want to sit with a cup of coffee and my colleagues um, instead Absolutely. of it being my screen yeah. and, and talk things yeah. through. But we will we will get there. And you know what yeah. really resonates with your, with your answer there is, I think mm. that level of proactivity in, in corporate's yeah. response to this is what really stands mm. out because mm. you cannot advise your customers properly if you can't turn inwardly and showcase that you're doing what you're advising. You know, Absolutely. there's a lot of law firms out there that just weren't, and this isn't a dig at them, they weren't technologically robust enough to transition as quickly as DCSL did to remote working or online web seminars. And and so they were fumbling in trying Thomas, to advise. Thomas, customers. let me let me let me let me let me jump let me quickly jump in and say to you. Go, something. No, you go ahead. Yeah, you know, so I was sitting at a board meeting, you know, um during this COVID period and there, there somebody was reporting on, you know, their legal matters that that had been pending. And I was totally, you know, almost thrown off my seat, you know, when the person said that, well, at the law firm that they were using, um, you know, they had been shut down since COVID. They were not working, you know, because they couldn't access their files. Um, you know, the lawyers couldn't access um, whatever they needed to do. And so the law firm was shut down. And this is not a small law firm, you know. So, so indeed, um, and, 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 you know, I then realized that there were quite a few of them like that. They just couldn't work from home because they were not they, they were not equipped um, to do that. So some of them, as basic as the laptops, you know, the lawyers just didn't have laptops, you know, from which uh, they could then work from home. So yes, um, that point that you raised is extremely valid. <laughs> it's a very real example. Bitty, I'll, I'll let yeah. you in on a little secret. I have a little test that I've developed. I call mm. it the library test. When I'm talking with a law firm, okay, I've, I have a lot of conversations, you know, every day I'm talking with our customers and learning and, and, and trying to educate myself. And I have a cheeky little test. If I have a law firm that's talking about how tech enabled they are and how robust they are and how, how dynamic they are, and I just get a little sense that they may be over-egging the, the mm. facts, I always ask them one question. I say, how, how big's your law library? And if they pause and they get very excited and they say, oh, it's enormous, it's fantastic, we have a wonderful law library, then I automatically know that they have been over-egging it. Because if there's one indication of a waste of time, a waste of money and misspent focus for me... It's a law it's library. A collecting <laughs> law library. <laughs> so that's my little secret. And I will say that all of my customers out there, I'm sorry if you've been asked that question, <laughs> but I think it's a great example. It is unnecessary. Yeah. It's absolutely. absolutely indicative of everything that's wrong for me with the law sometimes. Yeah. Very, very Circumstance very. And, and aesthetics above substance. You do yeah. not need row after row of hands facades and 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 law journals they're online they're accessible (laughs) they're cheap they're more (laughs) useful so i've given up the ghost there i can't ask my cheeky law library question anymore but i couldn't resist and i I, I, I want my colleagues i want my colleagues about this (laughs) yes we'll see well listen a bit of collaboration you know talking about that dcsl and africa legal 
have mm. and are continuing to collaborate on exploring key themes in corporate governance for modern mm. African businesses. And this is through both co-produced content, of, of which this podcast is part of that, mm. and DCSL contributions to our digital learning courses. So if you could advise a bit of an interesting question. If you could advise every business on or entering the continent to progress on or act on a single principle of sound corporate governance, what would that advice be and why? I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's fine, Thomas. And it would be accountability. Accountability, you know, that's typically sets the tone for everyone within the corporate governance framework, investors, the board of directors, management, auditors, regulators. Um, everyone should be guided by the principle of accountability and recognize the fact that governance is only meaningful if it delivers value to those to whom the enterprise is accountable. And that is a whole basket of stakeholders. You know, so you have the society, which is why we're going to talk about ESG. You know, you have the regulator, which is why you have to be good corporate citizens, pay your taxes and all that. You have the employees, you know, you have your customers. So that sense of accountability, if if we all practice that, then every other thing just falls in place. I think that's a wonderful answer. And I think it's one that you wouldn't often hear, yeah. but it is made even truer because of that fact. You know, like you say, it's trickle down. If there is genuine accountability in any organization, it, it influences how we act, how we behave, how we interact at, at the very core. And it's it's kind of harsh to say it's because we know something's coming back to us. Absolutely. You know, if we feel like we're acting with impunity, we then, may well yeah. go about things in a frivolous or, or non-considered manner, but strong, robust accountability at all levels. Yeah, very, very interesting. And I think right on the money when it comes to that single piece of advice. Uh, Bissy, I've got a closing thought for you before we wrap mm. up. And it's something that I often ask guests of our podcast. Mm. If you could somehow hop in a time machine and don't say I'm going to use it to go back to <laughs> 2014 when we could all go on holiday. <laughs> You've got to, yeah. use it to go back to meet a young Bissy at the very start mm. of her career. And you've got to give mm. us some advice. So mm. if you could do this, what would this advice be to your younger self at the start of their career and why? Mm. Okay, so Thomas, I probably would advise her to pursue the NBA um, earlier in her career and um, to possibly also uh, pursue a PhD again earlier in her career so that she could take better advantage for longer. And that's why I advise um, young lawyers out there and other professionals, pursue that additional qualification before you get bogged down by the realities of a very, very busy career, you know, which is what a lot of us get caught up in. You know, I'm, I'm going to do that MBA, I'm going to do that PhD, but, you know, you never really can make the time as you progress in your career. So that's, that would have been my advice to a younger BC. And I would say, you know, it's it's sound advice. And with the flexibility and the technological innovations now on offer for further mm. education, you know, there's part-time online MBAs. There's, yeah. uh, you know, the ability to learn and digest and develop entirely uh, remotely. You know, like we've alluded to, Africa Legal is at the forefront of providing self-paced online digital learning. And you yourselves pivoted to providing that training and that education entirely remotely as well. So sound advice, and I think even more so today, 
then dare I say, when you started your career, the technology has certainly kept pace and allowed that advice to be even more easily pursued than it would have been when you yourself was entering the profession. So, Bissy, listen, that does bring us to time. And I will say it's been a genuine pleasure talking with you today. So a very big thank you. Same here, Thomas. Thank you for having me. And as always, a very big thank you to all of our listeners. Now, if you're new to the Africa Legal Podcast, you can peruse our entire back catalogue, now just south of 40 episodes in total, via your preferred uh, podcast provider. We are on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, be sure to visit us at africalegal.com for all the news, views, and insights that improve your life as a modern African legal professional. So without further ado, I have been Tom Pearson, and this has been the Africa Legal Podcast.